Welcome to Dads, Daughters, and Dollars, a financial podcast for everyone. Now, here's one of my favorite people. (laughs) I'm Sean, the dad, clearly the favorite. And I'm Caitlin, the daughter, clearly my dad's mistaken. Hello, welcome back everyone to Dad's Daughters and Dollars. And Deanne. That's right, I think uh, we need to put an asterisk and redo the whole title uh, page. Yes, it just means the kid is working is what that means. That means good things. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about in the past, Caitlin and I, about John Bogle. Mm-hmm. John Bogle's the person who invented index funds. Mm-hmm. And he saved people tons of money and made people tons of money by creating index funds. Mm -hmm. And I will link to the episode about that. And it's a two-parter. Very, very important. But I'm not going to go into index funds today, but I did see this really interesting thing online. Every year, uh, the people who follow John Bogle are called Bogleheads. Oh, really? Just like dead heads for the Grateful Dead. That's funny. And every year they have a conference. Okay. And, you know. Is this something anybody can go to or you have to be a Boglehead? No, anybody can go to, and okay. it's. I, I think you pay, and yeah. they have speakers all day. And this person's this, you know, expert in real estate, and that person an expert in bonds, and okay. a million different things. But they do a thing called Bogleheads University, mm-hmm. and I'm going to link to it so you can watch all ten videos and uh, its core principles, ten core principles for the Bogleheads of like things like um, invest early and often. Okay, but uh, don't well, time the market, etc. So before you get into it, so is this is this like the same time every year in the same place? I don't know. Oh, okay. But the things I want to do, and one of the videos I watched of the ten videos was talking about things that are predictable, and it made me think about I've never broken down things that I think are really predictable in personal finance. And I'm going to give you six of them today because it's, again, another popcorn episode. We're recording this late the night before this air, the Yeah, the night before this airs tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are things that are very predictable in personal finance that you can count on. Like, you know, the sun coming up every day. Okay. It, they are going to happen no matter what. Okay. The first one is the stock market will go up and down. That is guaranteed. Sure. Some days it's going to be up and some days it's going to be down. Every year there are rallies Mm -hmm. and every year there are declines. So Mm -hmm. that if you heard, wow, in 2020, the stock market was up 16%. What do I mean by the stock market? I say this every time. When you say the stock market, we're talking the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. That's what they judge as the stock market. So whatever that returns in a year... If they say the stock market was up 16%, they mean the S&P 500. I never knew that. They do not mean this individual stock, Tesla or Google. Right, or, I knew uh, it was an individual, but it, I didn't it realize meant, it was specifically. It meant, how are the top 500 stocks in the stock market or okay. the S&P 500 doing? So uh, when you say, how much was the stock market up last year? It means specifically the S&P, S&P. 500. Okay. And then everything is judged off the S&P 500. Okay. So if you say... Well, last year, Tesla was up 22%. How much was the stock market up? It was up 16%. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Tesla did better than the stock market. It beat what the average of the stock market was giving. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you do less than the stock market, it means you're doing less than the S&P 500. Okay. Okay. 
So we know one of the things that's always going to happen every year, even in a year when the stock market goes up 30%, the S&P 500 goes up 30%, mm-hmm. there are times during the year when the stock market was down 2 or 3% for the whole year, like maybe in March. Right. And then maybe it went up 40% for two months, and then by the end it averaged out the 30%. Right. But there are constant rallies and there's declines, and it's up and down. It is the cost of being in the stock market. It's never not going to be like that. That is 100% predictable. Right. You have to get your emotions used to that's going to happen. Right. Point number one. Right. Point number two, stock market indexes, and the S&P 500 is an index, and the total stock market is an index. Mm-hmm. They are a zero-sum game. That's 100% predictable. What's a zero-sum game? I'll give you an example. Poker is a zero-sum game. If you take the sum of the amounts that are won by some players, it equals the combined losses of all the players. Okay. So if there are six players at the table mm-hmm. and one big winner, mm-hmm. that guy's winnings equal the amount the other five people lost. Right. That's what's considered a zero-sum game. I can't win more than what these five people have. Mm -hmm. An index is the same way. There are going to be certain um, gains and losses in the index, meaning if there's 500 companies, there are going to be so many winners every day and there's going to be so many losers. Mm -hmm. So it tends to come back to the middle. There tends to average out as here's the zero-sum game. Stocks, individual stocks are not in a zero-sum game. It means some go crazy and they're up 40% and some lose 20%, mm-hmm. whatever. They do not balance out. But when you get a group of stocks and put them together, it's a zero-sum game. Okay? Okay. okay. So half of the uh, things that are invested must outperform the average market return for the other half to underperform it. Mm-hmm. And then you get what's in the middle, and that's a zero-sum game. Okay. So you will always get the average if you invest in an index. That's 100% predictable. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you get besides the average in the middle? You get when you subtract the fees of whatever your indexes are. That's what you get overall. Okay? So that leads me to point number three. You can have a bad low-cost portfolio or you can have and you can have a good low-cost portfolio but you cannot have a good high-cost portfolio so what do i mean let's say you have seven index funds or not index funds just seven mutual funds so we owned mutual funds before we actually owned index funds right and a mutual fund might be a, a you know, okay, we are a, uh, not necessarily a low cost, but we we only invest in blue chip stocks and it's 200 companies. So you're like, this is good. This is like diversification. I'm invested in 200 big companies, so I'm bound to make money. All right. But if that has a high cost, it doesn't matter. So by high cost, I could be like, let's say they're charging 4.5% whether the that mar, uh, mutual fund goes up or if it goes down, you're still paying 4.5%. So on the years it loses, you lose money plus you pay them 4.5% of whatever the value of... So if you had $100,000, you'd have to pay them $4,500 every year. Mm-hmm. 
to lose money for you. Right. Now, let's say they made you $10,000. Still got to pay them 4500 Right. And now you only came away with 5500 Right. Now you have to pay taxes on the whole 10000 and subtract their 4500 Right. So after, when I say you cannot have uh, a good high-cost portfolio, by the time you subtract taxes and trying to beat inflation, which we hope averages out to 3% every year, it doesn't. Years it's at 7%, sometimes it's below 3%. But if you subtract inflation and taxes and a fee, you will never you know, do well with a high-cost portfolio. Mm-hmm. But if you have a low-cost portfolio, it could do poorly. And if you have a low-cost, good portfolio, you will come out ahead. Mm-hmm. But you can never come out ahead with a good, high-cost portfolio. Does that make well, any sense? It, it does. I mean, you can come out ahead, but it's only a little bit. Correct. And it's not enough. It's not, it's not enough to... It's not, it's not wasn't sort it. of it's worth your worth time. It. Yeah, it's not worth so it. So what do I mean by high cost? It's going to come down to fees. Fees, yeah. So, so a low-cost portfolio, you're saying low or no fees. It's all about the fees. So yeah. the top three things that we're saying are predictable. Stock market will go up and down. Stock market's a zero-sum game. And number three, you cannot have a good high-cost portfolio because of fees. And we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, point number four is about fees. Okay. And we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Just want to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. It's the app we use to get our podcast to you. Sean and Caitlin have really enjoyed their experience, and it's super easy to use. Certainly, if Sean can use it, hey, you can. We really think everyone should use Spotify for podcasters. Start talking about your hobbies or your deepest, darkest secrets. Something. You won't regret it. Okay, we're back and we're talking about things that are totally predictable about personal finance. And when we broke, we were talking about fees. So index fees do so well. And again, I will link to the two-part episode about index funds. They do so well over time because the fees are low. Not because they're killing. They're only index funds only get the average. So when we talked in the part one about zero sum game, if you have an index fund and there's five hundred stocks in it, five hundred companies, and let's say two hundred and seventy of them are kind of up and the other two hundred and thirty are down, you might overall go, Oh, I, I got sixteen percent. But how much of that sixteen percent do you get to keep? It depends on the fees. And the reason that people do well over time, and by time I mean at least a 20-year horizon, is because of the fees. It's 100% about the fees. All right. So the reason over the long term that index funds finish in the top 95% of all funds is because of fees. Okay. So you can have the best hedge fund manager in the world. But if their fees are so high, it doesn't matter what they're getting you. You're going to get, you know, you're going to have a large part of your profit taken away. Right. All right. Point number five. This is so predictable and it's all based on emotions. People will sell their, when the stock market is high, I mean, they'll sell when when the stock market is low and they buy when the stock market is high. Mm. Why? They say, oh, it's going up. I want to jump on the bandwagon and get as much money as possible because it's just going to go up forever. Mm -hmm. 
which doesn't happen. Right. And then when it drops down low, they're like, oh, I don't want to lose any money. I want to take some of the profits I made from investing in this. And when they sell when it's low, it's completely the opposite of what they should be doing is right. which buy when it's low, yeah. provided you think that's a good company. Right. Don't buy if you think it's just a fly-by-night company. And never sell, yeah. you know, so until you get to, to like retirement or something. Right. But that's how people do it. So I'll give you a quick example. If we're going to buy a house in a million-dollar neighborhood Mm -hmm. and somebody, it's an older couple, and they bought the house for $15,000, and now it's being sold for a million because they've lived in it in 52 years. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know what? You're a nice couple. We're going to sell it to you for $900,000. We realize, you know, we have somebody in the family with a family issue, and we're moving out of state. We'll give it to you for Mm $900,000. You would want something that costs less. Mm-hmm. But in the stock market, it's just the opposite. People are selling when things go down. When you have a house, you're like, oh, it went down. I got a good deal. Mm-hmm. People in the stock market don't think that. They said it went down. I'm losing money as opposed to this is an opportunity to buy. Right. But if you were talking about houses, you'd go, oh, it dropped. And the rest of the neighborhood's worth a million. I'll get this. Right. You could say... uh, Tesla dropped by 10%. No, no, no. It's going to drop to 20%. I'm not going to buy it when it's 10% down. <laughs> but that's a good time to buy. Mm. It doesn't make sense to not buy it then. Mm-hmm. If And this is all based on that you think the company is a good company. Right. All right. So that was point number five. Point number six in our last point. People believe, and this is totally predictable, that the more money you have, the happier you will be. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that money will solve all your problems. And it's been proven over and over. Usually the more money you have means the more problems you have because you tend to take on more than anybody could handle. Like you have the three houses, you have the, the car, you know, the whatever. Yeah, you just, with a lot of money, you tend to spend money and then it just jacks up all your costs all the way well, around. Just, and- if you just to think about it psychologically... You now have to deal with somebody calls you and says, oh, do you want to leave the boat in dry dock? And mm-hmm. someone calls you and says, oh, you know the person who was going to rent your little beach house? Uh, they left the burner on and you're going to have to fix your ceiling or mm-hmm. something. You know, it's just if you uh, didn't have I mean, all those things, you might not have all those problems. It's nice to have those things, but you have to consider how much you're taking on if you're going to have more money. And people tend to, in general it's a natural thing, is to take on more than maybe their wealth should allow. So that's the six points we have. I know this is a quick, quick episode. Um, We're recording it late before the the night is going to air. But I'm going to link to this, and I highly suggest that you guys look at this uh, Bogleheads conference and what's called Bogleheads University, where they give you the top ten things. And I just saw in one of the things, the things that are predictable, and it made me think about, you know, oh, we could do an episode on that. Um, also, I'm going to link to the the two-part episode about Jack Bogle, and I highly recommend you listen to those and all the things that he's done. And if you follow his philosophy, I think in the long term, you will do very, very well. Nice. Um, I want to thank again, Deanne, for uh, helping me out this week. Uh, oh, all, all of my help, all of my mm-hmm's. Uh-huh, yeah, yes. and if you are not a subscriber, <laughs> please subscribe. Um, and thank you again to our 35 countries yeah, for thanks, listening. Thanks for listening. 
Um, I think Caitlin will be back in town sometime this next week, and we'll get her on. Yay. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye. The content on Dads, Daughters, and Dollars is for informational purposes only and does not constitute professional financial advice. Listeners should consult an attorney, accountant, financial planner, or other professionals to suit your specific needs.